This morning, I kind of just want to let you guys in on just my thought process over the last two weeks. I've been going through the book of Matthew lately. Really love the book of Matthew. And there's just so much good stuff in that book. I would recommend if you haven't studied the book of Matthew recently or before, study it. There are so many things in there that I'm just picking up as I'm going through it. But a couple of weeks back, I was reading in the book of Matthew and there was this one portion um, in chapter 11, which I'm going to be talking about today. When I read the Bible and when I study the word, I like to engage not just mentally with what's on paper in front of me, but I like to engage like, God, what do you want to say to me today through scripture? You know, God, what do you have for me in this? And I, I remember as I was reading through chapter 11, I was like, okay, Holy Spirit, like I, I just welcome you to speak and I welcome you to, to just come and to interpret what's written here for me. And there was this portion of scripture, which I'll get to. You know, when you read the Bible and it just pierces your heart sometimes, you know, when you, you read the words that are on the paper and it, and it stings a little bit and, it, and it's like, oh, it, that's more than just my brain taking it in. That's something that's calling my spirit to attention. And so I, I had that moment and, and it was actually a, a really a beautiful time with God as, I, as I, I, I actually probably stayed in this little short portion of scripture. I probably stayed there for about three or four days, just every day coming back to it. Okay, God, what do you have for me in this? And then I continued on with my reading schedule um, with what I, was, what I was being reading through and studying. But for today, I, I really felt like God two weeks ago in that moment, probably the second or third day of me going over this one specific portion of scripture was like, we need, you need to share this in church. And, and so from that moment, I've kind of had this day penciled in with what I believe is a strong and quite important word for us as a body. And so that brings me to this week where this week, you know, I, I've had a, a nice week. When, when I'm preaching, I, I find that if I start really early in the week with my message prep, by, by Saturday afternoon, I'll probably have like five different messages from five different portions of scripture because when I get thinking in that frame of mind and I start early, I just, I go crazy. But this week was really great because, you know, I, I, I knew what my passage was. Like I had a clear word from God what my passage was. And so, you know, the whole week I was just reviewing this passage and, you know, developing it and pulling little bits and pieces. And like, there are so many different angles of attack, I guess you could say, that are in this passage that I could use. But come Thursday afternoon, I actually, um, for the last three days, I've had a terrible headache. And I, like, I don't get headaches. And if I do get a headache, it's because I haven't drunk a lot of water. And I just drink some water and it goes away. But Thursday afternoon, I had a pain in both of my, like right behind my eyes. And it feels like a swelling, kind of like feeling, kind of sensation behind my eyes. Headache, three days straight. And I haven't been able to concentrate. Like, you know, I just sit there and kind of stare blankly. I'm like, what the heck? Like, you know, I even lost Catan yesterday because of this headache. Like, you know, I'm really good at Catan and I don't lose Catan, but, you know, the third game we played yesterday, I lost and I blame it on this headache. So that shows you how bad this headache is if I lose Catan. <laughs> I'm just talking up. Yeah, Rachel isn't happy because she was the one who won and she doesn't want her win to be devalidated by my headache. It wasn't a genuine win. Anyways, but it's just been this feeling in the back of my, behind my eyes that like, it just won't go away. And you know, so it, like on Friday morning, I was opening up the word, trying to read, trying to prepare, just nothing. I'm like, I can't concentrate. I've read the same 
thing five times and it's still not making sense. It was the same yesterday. I've been reading this book called The Study of Miracles and I'm just reading it and, I'm, and I've read two pages and I couldn't tell you what the last sentence was on the page. I'm like, this is hopeless. Like I'm not retaining anything that I'm like reading or taking in through my eyes right now. I find it funny that when two weeks ago, when God spoke and he, del- he delivered something really strongly for me to share in the lead up to me sharing that, I've had massive opposition. And, and I really believe that the headache and, and whatever it's been is just like something spiritual. And so I've been ignoring it because I'm like, you know what? I don't want to pay any attention. I don't need to pay attention to something that's holding me back. I need to keep my eyes fixed on what the truth is, which is Jesus. And this morning, I'm, I'm going to be talking to you. I didn't even know that we were going to be sharing the testimony of the miraculous that's been going on there. But this morning, I, I'm actually going to be talking about miracles. And I'm not going to be talking about miracles in the sense of working miracles or praying for healing. I'm going to be talking about miracles in the sense of us learning and knowing about the miracle working God and us actually beginning to experience and believe for that as a community. You know, over the last two months or so, we've had a real focus as a leadership team about what is God saying? What is God wanting us to move in as a church? Like what, what is the direction we are going in? And, and one of the one of the interesting um, dynamics with the the season we've been in due to coronavirus is it, it's caused us to stop, think, and reflect. And, and I believe that as we've stopped thought and reflected that God's spoken um, and that we have some pretty clear vision uh, moving forward for us as a church body, for us as a community. And so, you know, as I've been preparing two weeks ago with this message and, and this thought and this passage that I've had that I've been wrestling with, I, I really felt like it was for us for a, a call to repentance. And when I first read it and when I first felt like what God was speaking to me, it was actually the passage is, is Matthew chapter 11, um, verses 20 through 24. And so I want to read this to you and I want to just talk through my mindset and actually of what I first believe God was wanting to say, but actually what I really believe he's wanting to say is what I'm going to finish with and where we're going to land this morning. So in Matthew 11, uh, verse 20, it says, then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorosin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, then they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, who who are exalted to the heavens, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. When I read this, I immediately had the thought that came to mind, and and it was about these three cities, Terrazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, that Jesus has just rebuked. In my mind, it was, we become so accustomed to the miraculous, we become so accustomed to the the miracle working power of God that we forget why the miracles are there in the first place. And when you look at these three cities, they're rebuked because they experienced the miraculous and it did not remain. And the clue for us is that it did not remain because they did not repent from their ways. 
And so over the last two weeks, I've been feeling like God's been speaking to me and positioning my heart in a way where I'm crying out and saying, God, like, I don't want just your miracles. God, I don't want your spirit to be poured out upon me to go to waste. But God, I I want that to become a part of who I am, but something that leads me into repentance to your ways, not my ways. And I really felt like this, um, this morning that there's an aspect of that that for us as a church body, that we don't, we, we don't want to seek the miracles. Like, yes, we want to seek the miracles, but we want to seek the miracle working God, the God who's performing, the God who's working those miracles is the thing that we seek, not the miracles itself. That's really important for us to grasp in what, I, what I'm going to be going into in the rest of this. Because I'm actually, I actually really believe this morning, I felt like the Lord spoke to me incredibly strongly, not, not in a way that he has spoke to me before, but in a moment he arrested my thought and he said, Nathan, um, I, I want to pour out my miracle working power in Catalyst Church. And, and this is the year and the season for it but I don't want what I'm about to pour out to go to waste. I don't want you to be like Capernaum. I don't want you to be like Bethsaida. I want you to be a a city and a a group of people who experience my power, repent from your ways and actually follow me, the God of the miracles, not the miracles, the gifts and the the acts themselves. And so this morning we're going to be, I'm going to be talking into this. I don't have a lot of content. I don't need to have a lot of content, but what I feel like I have is a strong, almost prophetic declaration over us as a body that I I feel like God is asking me to speak and to declare and for us to receive this morning and actually take to heart and actually act on what he's wanting to share. I think the first thing for us um, when it comes to um, the topic of miracles and the topic of miraculous working power is we, we never want to become and we never want to be so accustomed to experiencing the power of God that we take it for granted. There's a lot of interesting cultural things that are happening at the moment, which if we're not careful, can, can leak into our lives and actually begin to dictate how we live. One of the areas or one of the things that I believe if we're not careful as a church, that if we're not safeguarding against this, it can creep in, it can actually distort our view of God, is the instantaneous nature that society is in. You know, at the moment, I can pull out my phone and I can text and communicate any one of you. I can also pull out my phone and I can start watching Netflix in 30 seconds. I can pull out my phone and check my Facebook. I can check my like whatever, you know, I can check how my AFL fantasy dream team is doing. Like there are so many things that we can instantly do. And if we're not careful, we can allow the ease of access that we experience as society actually infiltrate and, and dictate to us how we view God. God isn't a vending machine that we can just put five bucks into and pick out B2, which is a vanilla Coke. And I'm not saying that we think like that. And, and you know, sometimes we might, sometimes we, we come before the Lord and we're asking for something. Uh, it's funny. We so often, when we come into prayer, I was saying this this week to Matt, we were talking about the culture of prayer and we, we were having this, this discussion about how so often prayer is a monologue and we really believe prayer should be a dialogue. You know, so often we become before the father and we're like, God, can you do this for me? God, can you do that for me? God, I need this. Can you give me B2, B4, B6? Here's what you need. Like, do it. And if we're not careful, that can become our relationship with God. But if we look at what scripture tells us, you know, in the gospels, there are four examples that Jesus provides for us when it comes to prayer. We all know the Lord's prayer for this is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Very clear instruction for us when it comes to our prayer communion between us and the Lord. When I read the Lord's Prayer, I don't believe I hear, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. My desires be met, my needs be met, give me the vanilla Coke. That isn't what it reads. And I think when we, when we think and dwell and look at the topic of miracles, we have to make sure that the positioning of our hearts is, yes, positioned to desire to see God's power show up. But our positioning of our hearts cannot be for the desire of the fulfillment of our own needs. It has to be for the desire of the kingdom of heaven to come on earth. And there's a really fine line between the two. Yes, we want to seek miracles come on earth. Yes, we want to see people healed. We want to push into that space. But our desire for miracles cannot be greater than our desire to know the miracle working God. Because it's actually our desire to know the miracle working God that allows us to experience the miracles happen on earth. Because he is the one who works in miracles. We are the conduit for his spirit. We are the beings who inhabit his spirit, which is the same spirit that causes the miraculous to happen. And so that's really important that I want you to just dwell on and to think about this morning is that we don't want to see the instantaneous nature and culture that is in society today creep into our desire to see the miraculous happen on earth. They don't go hand in hand. It's actually the opposite. That's the first point. The second point, which I think is really, really important for us, and Jesus mentions it here, he he rebukes Capernaum because the, the miraculous that was done, the mighty works that Jesus had done in Capernaum did not remain. And so they were, bu- they were rebuked because the miraculous and the power of God did not remain in Capernaum. And I really believe the key to seeing the miraculous working power of God remain is to actually repent. Now, often when the word even for me, sometimes when I hear the word repent, I kind of like shudder a little bit because I'm like, oh, like, oh, repentance. It's a uncomfortable, convicting word. And so it should be. But I think we need to change. We need to have a mindset change about repentance. Because the way that Jesus models repentance and teaches repentance in, in Nathan's words, it's calling you to a higher standard. It's calling you to be more like him. It's you turning from your old ways, or in, as Ephesians says, putting off your old man and accepting your new creation, your new man in Christ. You know, I, I've talked about the difference between shame and conviction. And how, you know, shame says that there's something wrong with you when you've done something wrong. And conviction says like you've done, sorry, conviction and condemnation, not shame. Condemnation says there's something wrong with you. You're messed up. That's the reason why you've messed up. Conviction says, 
oh, you, you've made a mistake, you've done something wrong, but here, let me call you higher. And I think when it comes to repentance, we need to, re- we need to look at repentance that way. Because to repent, it means to, to turn and to move into another direction. And if we're repenting from our old man and moving to our new man, that's what Christ asks us to do. And so I think when we talk about miraculous and the power of God and God's spirit that's working in our community remaining, Jesus very clearly says that the, the miraculous, that God's spirit being poured out has to be poured out to lead all men into repentance, to lead all men into communion with him. That's the point of miracles. Miracles bring restoration. Miracles um, and, and healing brings hope to people. But the, the miracles aren't there to point to the miracles themselves. The miracles are there to point to the God who worked the miracles. And for us to remain and for us to continue to, to be a community that hosts the miracle working power of God, we need to be a community that, that hosts complete obedience, that hosts complete surrender, not because of the desire to see miracles happen, but because of our desire to know the miracle working God. Because of our desire to see the miracle working God invade earth. Because of our desire to see restoration come to those that are around us that are hurting. I I love experiencing, I love testifying, I love seeing God work. There are so many different encounters that I've had where I've seen miracles happen that I just can't explain. Miracles happen that I'm just like, wow, like it it breaks, it's broken so many boxes for me. Even last night, I was just, I was, we had dinner with a friend last night and we were talking about just like some testimonies and stuff from, from mission trips that we've experienced. And, and I'm sure I've shared this one in church. I can't remember where, whether I've shared this or not, but I was telling the story about when I was in Haiti and I was praying for this old lady who had a tumor on her breast and the tumor started vibrating and then disappeared. And as I was just sharing that last night and testifying to what happened and how God moved in power, I was just getting inspired on the inside because I'm like, oh my gosh, like we serve a God who does things like that. We serve a God who, who does the miraculous. We love a God who is wanting and desiring to, to have heaven come on earth. He teaches us so plainly to pray a prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. There's no recipe, there's no method that can conjure up God's spirit coming on earth. There are lots of different stories we read within the Bible where we experience, like with the woman who who had the issue with blood and she believed that, oh, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus, like I will be healed. And so Jesus said to her after the power went out of him, your faith has made you well. We know that faith is a really large element that plays in healing and and the miraculous happening. We know that obedience, that obedience and complete surrender to God and allowing his spirit to move in you is is a large player in the game of the miraculous. 
These are things that we know. These are things that we, we can bank on. God wants all of us. You see, in, in, the, in the story of the woman with blood, she risked everything. She was culturally incorrect. She was unclean. She shouldn't have been there. If they, were, if they found out that she was there, she probably could have been stoned and had good reason by their laws to be stoned. She risked everything to experience Jesus. She ignored what culture said, what culture dictated. She ignored the, the boundaries that were in place because she desired that touch from God. And, and I really believe that that is super important for us as we believe and as we continue to um, experience the miraculous, that we don't make God bend into our boxes, that we allow our boxes to be bent and broken for God. That God doesn't have to fit into B2 for the vanilla Coke or maybe for the back healing or whatever it may be. That God doesn't fit into that box. That we don't pencil him in to say, God, you can come like this. Can you come like this? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in B2 and only B2. But that we are a people that are surrendered and say, hey, God, you can come in A1 to, to D7. You can come in everything. Come and have your way. Come and have your kingdom come. Come and have your will be done in every area. And that comes through repentance. That comes through us realizing that there is a higher standard, another level that comes through us realizing that we have to copy the model that Jesus set. Last week, I read from Matthew chapter eight. You don't need to turn there because I'm not going to read it. But I was sharing about the disciples when they were afraid um, because there was a great tempest that arose on the sea and the boat was covered and Jesus was asleep on the boat. Um, and then the disciples came and woke him up. And, and Jesus asked the disciples this question, why are you fearful? Are you of little faith? You see, before that point, the disciples had experienced incredible, incredible miracles. They had seen lepers cleansed. They'd seen the centurion's servant healed, not by the laying on of hands, but by Jesus telling him to go and you're, go back home and he found his daughter well. There are so many miraculous things that the disciples had been exposed to prior to them being of little faith and fearful. They forgot, plain and simple. I don't understand how, but they must have forgotten. They must have forgotten the miracle working God. And you see the same thing that happened to Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum. Because when we become fixed on the miracles themselves, we lose sight of what really matters. We lose, we lose sight of the miracle working God himself. But if we keep our eyes fixed on the miracle working God and expect the miraculous, I would dare say that if the disciples had kept their, their eyes and their attention fixed on the miracle working God, they probably wouldn't have been in the boat and been questioned as being fearful of, or of little faith because our perspective changes when we view the father and our perspective changes when we choose to view him and not to review the outcome. When we review the, the one who can do it and when we view the one who is able and not the deed or the outcome that we want to see, faith rises in us. 
Because our faith isn't in the outcome. Our faith is in the miracle working God. I realized this morning that it's been officially now a year of me being here, like um, in my role. Oh, I wasn't saying that for everyone to clap, but yeah. Anyways, you can all clap. That's fine. Um, but it's been a year. And I last week I was reflecting on the past year, you know, looking back at like, God, what are the, you know, what are the earmarks? What are the things that like I've seen you do? Like, because I, I believe there's so much, it's so important that we continue to look back and testify. So, because that paints a picture of what we believe God can do again. And so as I've been looking back and as I've been reflecting, as I said in the beginning, it's, COVID's been great for reflection, but I believe it's time to move on for, from reflection to like proactive action and steps and proactive thought about the future and what's going on as we move forward. And just this morning, I, I really like got a sense that God just was like asking me to declare um, like that the time is just now that, you know, we've been talking over the last few weeks about like what God has been preparing and what's in the waiting and what's coming and this and that and everything. And it's, it's awesome to be like, you know, we're looking forward, we're, we're full of hope, but like, I, I just feel like God's saying it's time to flick the switch. It's time to flick the switch. And that doesn't mean us forcing God's hand to make him come. We don't have to do that. But what it means is that we have to, I feel like God's asking us to pay attention and he's asking us to intentionally seek him. Intentionally push into him. Intentionally uh, work with him. Because all around us, there are opportunities. All around us, there are opportunities. And we are called to be a people. We are called as disciples of Jesus Christ to pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what he has for us. That's what is available to us, for us, for the people around us. We are called to be a community that live and that model and that carry the miracle working power of God. That is what we're called to be. I'm going to pray. If you want to close your eyes, God, we just come before you, Lord, and we just even, God, even just to begin with, I just acknowledge that we are mere just human beings, human beings, not beings, beings. (laughs) Father, that we are nothing without you. God, we, we just come before you as the body of Catalyst Church. God, we just ask and we just say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I just ask that we would begin to dialogue with you. Father, that in our prayer life, in our family life, in our community life, God, in every area that we're in, God, that we would begin to dialogue with you. Father, that we would move from being a people of monologue to dialogue. That we would be a people that in every moment 
we, we would choose to not seek the miracle, but we would choose to seek the miracle working God. God, that we would, we would be so hungry and desiring to know you more, to experience you more. And out of the overflow of that, we would then see the miraculous take place. God, I just ask that you would just anoint our hands, Lord, anoint our eyes, Lord, anoint our ears and our mouths. God, that we would be able to see, feel, hear, and speak what we see, feel, and hear your spirit doing. Father, that we would be a people who experience the miraculous, experience the pouring out of your spirit, repent from our ways and turn to your ways. Lord, that we would be a people who remain in you. Lord, we would be a people who remain in your power. God, that it would be you in us. God, that you would bend our boxes, that you would you would just, yeah, that we wouldn't put you in a box, but you would put us in your box. God, we ask that your spirit would come, that you pour out your spirit upon us this morning, not for our sake, but that for the sake of those around us. Lord, that we would be people that don't forget, but that we would be people that remember and, and testify of all the good things that you have done. Lord, we honor you. We love you. God, we, just, we, we thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. God, we choose to partner with you today. We choose to partner with you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.